0: One may as well consult the entrails of a sacrificial goat or the flight patterns of birds for inferences about the potential behavior of fire in a given landscape. But this never stopped the United States Forest Service from utilizing these models with cheerful assertions of their scientific perfection. In a corpus of technical literature whose sheer magnitude, the actual number of pages or even the number of documents, no one has, to my knowledge, ever even attempted to estimate. But it is truly staggering. The National Environmental Policy Act was signed into law with all the other major U.S. federal environmental laws in that brief period when environmental laws were a viable phenomenon, that segment of the late 60s through the early 70s, when it was clear ecological crisis was upon us, but before it was obvious to policymakers that there was no way for the economy to continue operating without killing everything, at which point they hastily chose the economy over the world. This law, usually called NAPA by the acronym-loving technocrats and federal agencies and their equally acronym-loving antagonists and counterparts in environmental organizations, didn't prohibit the destruction of the environment but it required the meticulously detailed and scientifically rigorous documentation of that destruction. In one of the most perverse and intricate matings of science and bureaucracy ever conceived, the one and only sense in which Napa had any power to stop anything awful from happening at all was if that awful thing was insufficiently documented. When the Endangered Species Act listing of the Northern Spotted Owl famously shut down federal public lands logging in the Pacific Northwest in the early 90s, and it became clear that imperiled species throughout the western United States were poised to have very similar impacts, perhaps the paramount of that phase of logging fights that is called the Timber Wars, the Forest Service changed its tactics. It no longer presented commercial timber harvest as such, but rather as a way to clear forests of hazardous accumulations of fuel for future fires. And it justified these operations with lengthy and elaborate modeling, and appendices with even more elaborate and lengthy versions of that modeling, not just of the behavior of fire, but also the behavior of pine beetles and soil microbes and black bears and water of every aspect of the forest one could think to model. The game played between environmentalists and federal agencies, therefore, was to see if the environmentalists could point out to a judge how a federal agency had failed to characterize in sufficiently detailed and elaborately technical terms, some aspect of the ecological destruction that agency was undertaking. This game, however absurd it might seem to outside observers, was a truly central pillar of what was known as environmental law. But there was one thing that the models didn't even factor in as a variable, and that was the climate. They explicitly stated that fires were assumed to be burning under 95% weather conditions in the climate of the Holocene, meaning they even excluded the most extreme 5% of weather in that much gentler time.